Glad you're here. Good to be with you. I'm Pete. If I haven't met you yet, come say hi or something after the service. All right. Let's pray together. God in heaven, um, it is uh, no small thing that we can pray to you, uh, that you love to hear us pray, that Jesus himself intercedes um, for us on behalf of our prayers, that Holy Spirit, you um, help us to pray. Um, and Father, you love it when we, anyone here who has put their trust in Jesus, um, that makes us your kids, and we get to come to you as your kids. So Father, thank you for that gift. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you move through prayer. Um, the stuff happens when we pray. So God, as we um, do most Sunday mornings, God, we pray that, God, you would give us a, a, a deep, deep hunger for your Bible. God, show us how, how, how needy we are uh, to hear your word, um, to get your word into us. So make us hungry for your word and also make us humble beneath it. Make us men, women, and kids who are, who are um, people who tremble beneath your word, who are joyfully submitted to your word, to the whole counsel of God, not just buffet-style bits and pieces that we choose. God, thank you for the, the gathering that is happening right now. God, there's something special about people who are um, definitely your people, people who are maybe interested in, in Jesus or casually checking out what is this church thing and who is this Jesus guy. We're, we're grateful to be able to gather here this morning. Would you make much of Jesus Christ? Holy Spirit, you are um, expert at doing that. So make it happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple months ago, uh, I had this old O3 hunk of metal sitting in my driveway. It's a big Ford Explorer, like a, a, a tank pretty much. It weighed probably more than 95% than of cars. This thing was a beast, Mondo, Mobile kind of deal. And I uh, uh, hadn't driven it for a handful of months or so. And uh, so I go out to my driveway, uh, open up the door to this big Ford Explorer, and uh, uh, try to start it, and it goes, screech! It's like, oh, shoot. Um, try it again, and uh, no luck. So I'm sitting there in this massive hunk of metal, uh, and I am not a car guy, so I don't know what to do, so I need help. <laughs> um, so I start digging, start doing some research, to pull out my phone and start figuring out, okay, who in Whatcom County can help a guy like me get a car like this out of my driveway? Um, and I do a bunch of research and stuff like that, and I get on the phone and I call this guy um, because his, his uh, contact um, or his info online on his website looked legit. So I'm like, okay, cool. Call this guy, and, and, and he picks up. We have a little conversation. Tell him what's what. He Give him the address. He comes out, and, and probably, I don't know, 45 an hour later or something, he's, we, we, we hear this rumbling down the road, and we look out the window, and there's this, this old school, probably from the 70s or so, uh, tow truck coming our way, and he, he whips it around the driveway, backs it up, beep, 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 right to our little uh, big Ford Explorer, and uh, the whole family comes out, because we're like, man, what's about to happen? See if he can hoist this thing up there, um, and he gets out of his truck, uh, and kind of, it's, it's a big, big tow truck, big old tow, tow truck, and he, he kind of shimmies down, starts walking toward me, he's got this handlebar mustache, and I can barely see the grin underneath his handlebar mustache, and he walks slowly toward me, 
And he, he gives me the second firmest handshake I've ever experienced. And uh, says, the name's Joe. And uh, about 10 minutes later, so the thing was hoisted up onto the, the tow truck and he hauled it away. An hour passes or so and Joe calls me and says, Pete, uh, I'm going to swing by because uh, I got some more money for you. I went to the scrap yard and you got a, I got more money than I was expecting, so I'll swing by your house and give you a little bit more money. So I had a problem. I was in need. <laughs> I needed help. Joe was legit and he came and met a need. We're going to look at a text this morning that is going gonna, is gonna to help us see that we need help. A text that is going to help us see that we need help and then is going to point us to the God who helps us. So if you're able and willing, would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? As Sierra mentioned, we are in week number two of our current sermon series called Further Up, Further In. Get your stuff um, out there at the Connect Center or apparel next week if you want on the website. Um, and we will be in Psalm 121. So this is the second week of a series that will take us probably to about October-ish, mid-October-ish. Um, and we're just taking one psalm at a time. So 120 last week, 121 today, 122, and just keep counting. Um, okay, page 516 in the Black Bible is in front of you. And it'll be Psalm 121. This is God's word from him for us. It says this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You can grab a seat. So we get this picture. Psalm 121, verse 1. And, and if you look at the text, you, you, you might imagine this picture of these people. In these mountains, and they are uh, scanning, scouring, looking for a, a, a source of hope, looking for a source of help. There's, there's, there's this looking that is going on, there's this longing going on of like, man, there, there, there's a, a sense of desperation. It says, verse 1, again, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Now, there's a couple reasons that this could be the case. Like, you might ask yourself, why is the psalmist... Looking up to the hills. I'll give you three options. Option number one, uh, in the ancient Near East, there was a common belief that, that in the hills, this is where the gods lived. So maybe the psalmist was looking up to the hills in, in hopes to summon the gods for help. That's an option. Another option as to why the psalmist is looking up to the hills is because the hills are dangerous. And he's looking around in the hills because he's on high alert. Because in the hills, oftentimes, as people were trekking through uh, the hills, there would be danger everywhere. Or at least possible danger. Robbers, potential ambush, wild animals, all sorts of stuff. The, the, the hills oftentimes meant danger. So maybe he was, the psalmist is looking around on high alert trying to make sure that things are okay. 
A third option I'll give you um, is that the songs of ascent, Psalm 120 through 134, um, are, are, are thought to be psalms that are oftentimes sung by God's people as they were sojourning to Jerusalem to worship God during specific times of the year. So imagine some of God's people heading toward Jerusalem to worship God. And one option is that, man, some of, some of, some of God's people are, are doing this, and the psalmist looks up to the hills, kind of where Jerusalem is, and, and is like, man, this is the last leg of this, of this ascent to Jerusalem. And maybe the psalmist is like, going to need some help. <laughs> going to need some help to get there. I don't know, honestly, which of those three options uh, is true, could be a medley of all three of those, but we know for certain that the psalmist is looking for help. We know that for sure. The psalmist is looking for help. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help? Somebody say help. We'll try it again. Somebody say help. We know for sure that that's what the psalmist wants. Now, for some of us, asking for help comes easily. And for some of us, not so easily. For some of us, maybe we don't have it in our vocabulary. For some of us, uh, we don't have it in our vocabulary, although we feel it all the time. Um, for some of us, asking for help is definitely a thing where it's like, hey, you texting a friend or a family member or a spouse or a roommate or whatever it might be, asking for help. Others of us um, have not asked for help in a long time or rarely ever, but are quick to help others. Um, so, so we're probably a mixed bag when it comes to this. <clears throat> I've been reading a book lately. I'm, I'm, I'm fresh into it by Jenny Allen she, called uh, Find Your People. And she says this. She says, I'm needy, just not good at admitting it. Amen, anyone? You don't have to say amen. You can say amen in your head. <laughs> Baby steps it. <laughs> I am needy, just not good at admitting it. And that consistently, she says, damages my relationships. And I was thinking about that. And, and, and so it is, I think, with God. When, when, when I um, recoil from asking him for help, I think there are ways in which that, that, that can damage my relationship with God. <clears throat> Psalm 121, what we're in this morning, is going to show us that we have a deep need for help. And hopefully God, by his spirit, helps us be the type of people who increasingly can say things like, I need help. Because, because what happens is, is if, 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 if we don't say, I need help, or don't have that mantra, or aren't able to kind of come to grips with this reality that you and I need help, then what, part of what we miss out on is trust. I'll say that again. If we do not come to grips with our reality that you and I need help, part of what we miss out on is the opportunity to trust God. That's one of the invitations we see in this text. But one of the, 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 the flip side of that is if we are brave enough, or dare I say courageous enough, or, or even this mature enough to say things like, I need help. And then part of what we get from that is this opportunity to lean into trusting God. You tracking? Cool. I think there's something Christian, not assuming everyone in here is a Christian, but there's something Christian uh, about saying, I need help. <laughs> 
In fact, if you're here and you're a Christian, that's how you got in the game <laughs> in the first place. Somehow, some way, you said, I need help. You said, I, I can't, or maybe you said it in your head, whatever, doesn't matter. But, but you saw that I can't do this thing alone. You saw that, that you have a, a problem. Somehow, God helped you see that you got a problem before a holy God. Somehow, acknowledge your sin. Like, okay, I got this problem. God demands perfection, demands righteousness. I'm looking at myself. I'm like, that's not descriptive of me. My sin is a problem before for a holy God, what do I do with that? And if you're here and you're a follower of Christ, at some point in your life, you, 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 you might have used different language, but you had this sense of, man, I need help. <laughs> I need help. So, <clears throat> let me tell this, well, back up for a sec. I was thinking about some of my story and some of the stories that I've heard of, of some of you in our church and, and, and how you met Jesus and, um, and then thinking of our, our, our kind of, I don't know if it's a cultural moment now or whatever, but uh, th- th- this inkling to be uh, self-sufficient or self-made. And I was just thinking of this idea that, that, that there are no self-made Christians. God makes Christians. Somehow, if you're a Christian, God helped you see that you needed help. (laughs) God helped you see that you needed help. Self-made Christians don't exist. God makes Christians. I was talking to a friend recently who reached out to a doctor and was just saying, "Um, hey, I think I I might need some help. I was talking to this doctor, and the doctor um, affirmed my friend and just said, hey, um, that's, that's the hardest thing to do, is just to say, I need help. And I said, hey, Good for you. Good for you. The way that you, if you are a Christian, the way that you became a Christian is saying some sense of, I need help. And then listen to this. The way that you keep following Jesus, you keep going further up and further in with Jesus, is continuing to say these things like, I need help. So the mature and the maturing Christian, you don't say I need help less and less as you mature. You say I need help more and more because you realize how much you and I need help. Amen? Amen. I need help is how we start to follow Jesus. I need help is how we keep following Jesus. Think about this. Um, think about what it could, 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 could feel like to drop. And this, this is, don't let me put this on you if this isn't um, for you. Uh, but some of us carry around this invisible weightiness of trying to have a self-sufficient identity. An identity that we can only muster up in and from ourselves. And imagine what it could look like, feel like to live into a reality that's not a self-sufficient identity, but an identity that is rooted in another, namely Jesus. And some of the self-sufficientness, some of the, 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 the inkling to, to never say or come to grips or terms with this reality that I or you or we need help, some of that weightiness gets to drop and place an identity in another, again, namely Jesus. this word help that we see in this text I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from it's this Hebrew word called azer 
It means I can't do it by myself. It means I need assistance. It means I need someone else to intervene. In verse 1, we see the psalmist saying, man, I need help, looking to the hills for help, and then ask this question, from where does my help come? Where am I going to get some help? (laughs) I need it. Where am I going to get it? This is a huge question, and how we answer it changes everything. Let me share a story of a woman in our church named Nicole, Um, and in, in a sense, it's a story of her looking for help. This is what Nicole said, and she was thumbs up on me sharing this. She said, I started out my path to Christ on no path at all. Growing up Catholic, my family attended church on Christmas and Easter when I was younger and then stopped going as I got older. Nicole says, we rarely talked about God. Jesus had no presence in our home. And after years of feeling lost and confused, I eventually self-identified as an atheist into young adulthood. A few years ago, I got involved in the New Age spiritual movement and became an energy healer. Pause there for a second. Nicole got baptized um, a couple months ago here. I believed in a higher power that I called many things. God, universe, source, creator. I drew energy from crystals, tarot cards, moon cycles. Nicole says this path was dark, desolate, and focused on the power of self. Everything spiritual I did to heal my physical and emotional ailments failed miserably. After a tumultuous year where I lost my brother and my life imploded, one day it hit me. I had no power. If I were to continue trusting only myself, I'd be wandering unhappily in circles forever. This wasn't working. Nicole says, I needed a savior desperately. And Jesus was there to pull me back to him and to show me the power of his love. He healed me and made me whole, and I'll be forever grateful to our king. I share that story because part of the, a bit more context to Nicole's story and some conversations I've had with her was that that in in this this. As she says, new age spiritual movement and her becoming an energy healer. She says, I went down like seven or eight different paths of this. It's trying, trying to, 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 to find something. Looking for, in a, in a sense, looking for help. Kind of what we see in this, the, the psalmist. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? In a sense, Nicole's like, man, I, I need something. What's going on here? I'll, tr- I'll go down this path. Mm, dead end. Mm, dead end. All this stuff that, 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 that over-promised and under-delivered. She entertained what we could say a, a host of counterfeit helps. And ultimately was led to the God who promises and always delivers. There's this huge connection between Psalm 120 last week. This sense of distress, this sense of, man, I want something different. <laughs> and actually, that, that, the hope is not really found in some sense in Psalm 1. The distress in Psalm 120 um, um, leads into then the hope that is found in Psalm 121. Psalm 120 highlights these counterfeit helps. Psalm 121 highlights the real deal. (laughs) 
with everything, just pause for a moment. Think about your life. With everything, the ups and downs, the nooks and cranes, peaks and valleys, all this stuff. Everything going on in your life. How do you answer that question, man? Where does my help come from? And let's be real. There's lots of places, man. Pick up a good book, listen to a podcast, ask a friend, all this. We can get help from tons. We got resources like crazy, right? But ultimately, where does your help come from? And take that, man. Hear that as, a, as an invitation. Some of us are, are, are doing wonderful in that and in, in trusting in the Lord. Take that as an invitation to lean in more. And some of us might be able to see that as, as a way to replace or transplant something that we are trusting in or looking to help for more than we are in God. <clears throat> My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The psalmist is looking up to the hills. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Just, just think about this. Okay, I need help. The psalmist needs help. You need help. Where does my help come from? And he says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. <laughs> who can rival that? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. A couple things we see here. Um, number one is that we see God is the God of covenant. This word, word Lord, Yahweh or Jehovah, is, is, this is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who is faithful when we are faithless, the God who makes promises and keep pro keeps promises, the God of no white lies and no half-truths, the God who is totally, completely, generationally, historically pre-existent and totally faithful. That God who keeps covenant, who keeps his promises, who is trustworthy. This is the God who can help. It's partially what this text is saying when it says the Lord. The Lord, this God of covenant who makes and keeps his promises. It goes on and says, uh, where does my help come from? From the Lord who makes heaven and earth. I think Tuesday morning, my three-year-old Emmett woke up earlier than usual and I was reading my Bible downstairs um, on the back porch and I had his monitor with me and his monitor starts chirping at me. He's like, okay, he's up, here we go. Um, go up and get him, bring him down and uh, just put him in my lap, put a blanket over us and, and we're just snuggling, hanging out early morning and a uh, little, little gentle breeze going on, looking out in the backyard and the, the, the wind is kind of blowing the trees a little bit and I look at Emmett, kind of he's, he's on my lap right here. I look at Emmett and he's looking at the trees and I say, guess what, buddy? Papa God made that tree. And he just <laughs> has this little, this little look where it's like, man, that's impressive. That's impressive. If we pause right now and we walked out to Lake Whatcom, or we, 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 we ventured up to Alabama Hill and we looked down at San Juan Islands, <laughs> or we looked up at Galbraith, hundreds of acres of these gorgeous woods, you know what you can say? My God made that. <laughs> My God made that. Let, let that be... Uh, steel in the spine kind of stuff. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the God of covenant, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator God, the God who made that lake out there. Might he be able to help me? 
you talk about, listen to this, um, you talk about being able to walk through life with a bit of a humble swagger. <laughs> humble swagger in that, in knowing humble. You, you and me, we are desperately needy. <laughs> desperately needy. And a swagger in that the God who meets us in our need not a pompous swagger, but a confidence saying that in the midst of me needing lots of stuff, <laughs> the God of covenant and the God of creation, he's my help. Let that give you a bit of a humble swagger as you remember and marinate in that. What's cool about this is if you are in Christ, this is the God that's in your corner. <laughs> We could probably go home. If you are in Christ, this is the God that is in your corner. If you are not, think about what could be. We all need help, whether you believe in Jesus or not. This is the God in your corner. If you are in Christ, if you are not, think about what could be. Let's keep going. Verse 3 goes into kind of the resume of God a bit. He says, he will not let your foot be moved. In the Old Testament, the early, uh, like, like three quarters-ish of our Bibles or so, in the Old Testament, if, you're, if your foot slipped, it usually meant something bad was going to happen. <laughs> it usually indicates some sort of disaster is going to happen. And what this says in verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. It gives us this picture of stability for those who follow God. He will not let your foot be moved. It goes on. It says he keeps you. I oftentimes pray this prayer from Numbers chapter 6, known as the Aaronic blessing, uh, when I put my boys to bed. When my wife and I do, and it, it goes something like this. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And it goes on. The Lord bless you and keep you. Look at what this text says. He who keeps you. It's the same word in the Hebrew. Keep. This word is used six times, more than any other word in Psalm 121. This word keep means to like protect. It means that someone is responsible for someone else. It's saying the Lord keeps you. The big idea here when it says the Lord keeps you is that God will guard you. God will guard you. He guards his people. It goes on and it says uh, that this God who guards you, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Let's press pause for a moment. Think about this, in the midst of our need, in the midst of us needing help, in the midst of everything that's going on in our lives, here's the God that we can lean into. Here he is, the God of covenant who keeps his promises, the God of creation who made Lake Whatcom, and the God who doesn't sleep. <laughs> and the God who doesn't get tired. <laughs> and the God who doesn't get tired of not getting tired. It's in the text. This is the God we get to lean into. <laughs> How might he be able to help us? Share a story. I think it was my senior year or junior, senior year of um, 
high school summer. I think it was my first job at Premier Graphics. I don't think it exists anymore, but it was down kind of Iowa in the midst of the car dealerships. And they made um, spiral-bound like school calendars. Thrilling. Um, so this was my thing. First job, trying to figure it out. A couple weeks in, essentially what I did is it was, on, I was, it was me and like four or five people on uh, a team with this 100 foot or so long uh, mach- fancy, big, hefty machinery that, that you, you shoot this paper into and out comes a calendar and, and this is what we did. And uh, I started at 6 a.m. and I had this habit of staying up late with some of my high school buddies and then trying to wake up at, at five something in order to get to, to work on time. First job, trying to figure stuff out. A little rough, a little bumpy. Staying up till two, waking up at five. Not sustainable, I learned. Um, unless you have coffee, which I had not yet discovered the magic potion of coffee. We have coffee outside if you want to have coffee, if you're getting sleepy. Anyway, uh, so I was, I was a little, little, little rough around the edges the first couple of weeks trying to figure stuff out and then start relaxing into things a couple of weeks into my job. And I relaxed one morning so much that uh, I fell asleep on the wood pallets uh, behind the heavy machinery when the big boss was taking the key stakeholders through the facility. So that wasn't a good look for me. Um, we have a God who doesn't snooze on the job. We have a God who doesn't snooze on the job. <laughs> he doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. I mean, I was exhausted last night. <laughs> You'll probably, I mean, it, doesn't, it won't take us long to figure out the last time you were tired. Just think of this God in the midst of our need. He doesn't sleep. He is infinite. We are finite. Let, let, let that be salved to our souls a little bit in the midst of us needing help. Verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. He's your protector. He's your, your covering. It's like man, he, he is your, your safety, your refuge. I was, I was doing some mulching in my yard, which that's, that's how you know you, you've, you've really at a, at a good stage of life when you start mulching. Um, it's a good stage for me right now, mulching. Uh, last, last Saturday, I think it was, Friday, Saturday, I don't know. Um, and I was mulching with my three-year-old Emmett, and we got the wheelbarrow. I got my shovel. He's got his shovel, um, and we're, we're mulching. And this is, this is, this is when it was really hot last week, and if you remember that, it was like, I don't know, it was mid-80s, maybe touch 90 a little bit, and we've been out there for, I don't know, an hour or so, and Emmett's with me, and, and, and we're working pretty hard, and, uh, and, and we haven't talked in maybe a minute or so, and usually we're chatting and stuff like that, and, 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 and Emmett does this deep sigh, he says, whew, dada, I need shade. <laughs> So we meander over and we do a little mulching in the shade and that sort of thing. So we, we probably undervalue shade in the Northwest other than those, those 20 days a year. Um, but in this context, when, when, when it says the Lord is your shade, this isn't written in Bellingham, Washington. <laughs> this is written in the ancient Near East where, 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 where shade was a, a hot thing to have, <laughs> um, especially when you're journeying in in desert-like places, and it's, it's, it's toasty. <laughs> this text says, the Lord is your shade. 
Imagine when you're in the sand, your journey, multi-day journey in the sand, in the desert with lots of people, who knows how much water, whatever it might be, one of the things that was most appealing likely would have been shade. It says the Lord is your shade. So the people who would have first heard this would have seen this as more applicable than us who see it, maybe a need for shade 20 days a year. <laughs> as you keep walking further up, further in with Jesus, one of the things that we get to do is, is see that, that, that the Lord gets to be our hydration when we're a little dehydrated, it gets to be our, our shade when we need a bit of refreshment. Verse 6 says, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. This is getting at this, this comprehensive coverage that God has for his people that's better than any umbrella insurance policy that you might have, although that's probably a good idea, but, but it's comprehensive coverage. Whether you're coming, you're going, whatever you're doing. And let's remember again, context here. God's people likely sojourning toward Jerusalem to worship him. It would have been, man, okay, we, we got this, this, this squad of people, these moms and dads and, and kids and, and um, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, maybe, maybe you got your family donkey, you know, right? Right, Brandon? Yeah, totally. Family donkey, whatever, and you're going, and, and this is a multi-day journey, <laughs> going to Jerusalem. And it's probably, you're, probably not, you're probably not going very fast, you got animals with you, likely, which, you know, animals do. They poop, and you're on this road. And so, so you're, 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 you're trekking through this road. This is likely what, a, what it would have been like. You're going slowly. You're sweaty. You're stinky. There, there, there's animal poop around on the road. It's, it's, it's funny, and this is likely, likely, likely the reality. Um, and oftentimes, this is a reality in our own lives, <laughs> We know what we're going toward is worth it. For walking toward the Lord, walking with the Lord and toward the Lord in a sense. We know where we're going is worth it. But sometimes it's slow and stinky and all sorts of things. Part of the idea with this series of going further up and further in with Jesus is that we have this God who is trustworthy who in the midst of us navigating through life and walking with Jesus, he is able to help us. And all we do is keep going. Keep going. Keep going. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life, verse 7 says. Verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I love John Barry's quote. He says, Yahweh is not just a hideout but a bodyguard. He's going to go with you. But let's be honest. I was, talk I was talking to someone before the service and he, he knew that we were going to be in Psalm 121. And he's like, man, Psalm 121 has been great. And we were praying together. Some of the folks who were volunteering were praying together before the first service. And, um, and we were chatting afterwards. He's like, man, I, I memorized Psalm 121. And I was asking him just, man, how's that going? And affirming him for memorizing that. It's so cool. And you can do that if you want. We'll be in 122 next week and then 123 the following week and keep going. So he was memorizing it in preparation for uh, today. 
And I said, so, so what did you think about the psalm, man? He's like, well, I was talking about God keeping us, and we were talking about that. I said, so, so what do you do, man, with, with this God who in the midst of, of us needing help, he keeps us. God is our guard. He protects us, this comprehensive coverage. What do you do with this, the, 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 this, this God who is trustworthy when life is just really hard? What do you do with that? <laughs> or when things are confusing? And we were talking about that. Um, for me, asking this idea of how do we reconcile the idea that God is our guard when stuff is hard. One of the best things to do when we're trying to figure out if someone in our life is trustworthy is to look at their track record. Look back. What have they done in order to figure out who they are. So I was talking to my friend, and he was talking about, like, okay, if, if we look back, and we got into looking at, at God's track record, so what we could do now this morning is look back, and we look, look back, rewind some 2,000 years or so, and, and what we don't say, it's, it's not God's people ascending to Jerusalem, but the God himself who guards us, as Psalm 121 says. Who, who, is, who is pinned to a tree by Roman guards unguarded from all evil. And just imagine if, if I think about it, if I were there, and if ever I thought, man, are things going according to plan? Like, is this working out well, God? <laughs> I would think, mm -mm. What in the world is going on here? If, if you and I are there looking at the God-man, Jesus Christ, pinned to a, to, a, to, a, to a tree, I'm probably thinking, like, what in the world? Like, what is going on? This, this God, are you snoozing on the job? Like, what is going on? Is this the God who sleeps and slumbers? Because he's not, he's not moving right now. He's not acting right now. What's going on? And yet through the, the greatest evil... <laughs> The God-man, Jesus Christ, sinless Savior, dying in the place of any sinner who would trust in him. It is through that great evil, the sinless Savior dying for anyone, any sinner to, who would trust in him. It is through that that we then get invited into the most beautiful thing, the gospel, the reality that God saves sinners. People who, who say, man, I need help. I need help. Not just navigating the nooks and crannies of life and all its complexities, but I need help before a holy God because I have a sin problem and my sin problem before a holy God does not end well. But if I trust in his son who he has provided as, 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 as the one who can help me most in my deepest need of my sin before a holy God, then we lean in and we trust him. And if, if through that... Um, what, Great, like one of the greatest perceived evils on the cross. And if I'm sitting there, you're sitting there, like what is going on? And God, God, God brings to fruition what he has in saving sinners. Might we be able to trust him even now when things are confusing? When we, when we can't see God's plan? When it seems like things are not going according to plan? <clears throat> the Lord himself was not kept from the evil that we deserved. This we can trust. 
sometimes I've, I've found um, in my life, my, my, my wife and I love clarity. Anyone else like clarity? <laughs> clarity, planning stuff. Marcus, I love it, dude. You raised your hand the first service and the second service. Totally calling you out. Not planning on doing that. Praise him. Not praise Marcus. Praise God. Good for you. <laughs> um, I totally lost my where I'm at. I have no idea. Where are we? Is today Sunday? Thank you. Clarity. <laughs> um, I think sometimes when I pray or long for clarity, like, God, God what, what are you going to do in my life in the next year, in the next five years, ten years, whatever it might be? I want to know what, what life is going to be like five years from now. I want to know who, who are my friends? What is family like? Am, am I in school? What's, go, what's job stuff? Am I living here? Am I living somewhere else? What is going on? What is, what is my walk with you going to look like, Lord, in, in five years, whatever? And sometimes as I, as, I, as I pray for clarity, I think God sometimes uh, gently redirects and doesn't answer those prayers for clarity, but instead, I guess in a sense, answer those prayers for clarity and instead invites me to trust him. Because if, if, if you think about it, I think the more clarity we have in life, in a sense, the less you got to trust. <laughs> if, you gotta, if you know how your life is going to go, the rest of it, the need to trust is mitigated. I think that's God's grace and a, and a mercy of his to, to when I ask him for clarity or when we ask him for clarity. Sometimes he gives that, but sometimes he, he just says, will you trust me? Will you trust me? I texted a couple friends um, who've been following Jesus for, for decades and just asked something along the lines of, hey, tell me how you've learned to trust God over decades. And if you followed Jesus over, over, over decades, you've been through some life. It's true for these two men. One of them said this. He texted back. He said, well, Psalm 27, 1 through 5 was my mainstay. Literally, battalion strength, North Vietnamese army encamped just a few miles from my base. I want to read Psalm 27, 1 through 5. So he's here in this War, doing surgeries on people. And he says, Psalm 27, 1 through 5 was my mainstay, and this is what it says. The Lord is my light. And I ask this, like, how do you trust God? The God who Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 121 says, the God who guards us and can help us and is trustworthy when seem, things seem to be going off the rails. She said, I, this was my anchor. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Listen to this. One thing have I asked of the Lord. I think of my friend with enemies miles from wanting, believing and wanting to believe this. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. 
to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And I just imagine my friend believing that praying for that, yearning for that, believing that, and wanting to believe it more. And he said this in his text. He said, I needed to decide whether God's word was true. We just read that, right? Psalm 27, 1 through 5. I needed to decide whether God's word was true or not. He said, I chose the former. (laughs) Praise be to God. Another friend responded to my text um, and said this. And this this is a friend who was married for decades Um, and his wife was dying, and he said this, when my wife was dying, our Lord was there as an anchor in the storm. He said his presence was palpable. Amazingly, he made trusting in him as natural as breathing, even when death was imminent. Boy, I want that. And don't, don't hear, uh, man, we, we struggle with, tr- I struggle with trusting God habitually. Probably not alone there. So what, what, where, where you're struggling and that isn't true of you, or you don't feel that, don't let that, let this be more invitational. Man, I want that. This God who is trustworthy as my friend's wife is dying. And he says, man, the Lord's presence was palpable. And he said he made trusting him feel as natural as breathing. This is a confidence instilling psalm. (laughs) The psalmist says, man, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? And then the steel and the spine verse, my help comes from the Lord, the covenant keeper, the creator God, the God who doesn't sleep and doesn't get tired of sleeping, the one who made heaven and earth, the God who guards us. Let's trust him or keep trusting him. I want to finish up by reading just a few other Psalms as invitations for us to trust the God who guards us. Psalm 23 says this, says, the Lord is my shepherd. And let, let, let these, I'll, I'll just read these psalms briefly. Let these wash over you. And maybe a prayer for us is that this would be increasingly aspirational and increasingly true of us as we trust him more. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 91, 1 through 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
in Christ, God guards us. Let's trust him. Let's pray together. Father, <clears throat> I'm grateful again, God, that, uh, that, that no sermon or no music or no coffee or no nothing um, can make any of this stuff make sense or, or make any, any of us do anything with what we uh, are seeing from Psalm 121. But God, you can... Uh, and you are able, and you have a track record of making your word make sense, not just to our heads, but deep down inside of us and pointing us to the Lord. You, Lord, as covenant maker and keeper. You as creator. You as the one who doesn't sleep or slumber. You, Lord, as the one who is trustworthy. You, Lord, is the one who, who, even when we mistrust or don't trust as much as we should, you don't shame us or guilt us. You just invite us into deeper trust in you. So, God, for those here who, who, who don't know you, um, who are asking good questions, Lord, would you cause them to trust in you? God, for those who have trusted you recently or, or maybe decades ago or anywhere in between, God, would you um, strengthen that trust? Holy Spirit, make all of this happen. Make your word transform us as James talks about. Will we not just be hearers of the word but doers also? And in, in this sense, I think that's just, that is a receiving of this invitation to trust and to lean into you, our trustworthy God who guards us more and more. Make it happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As the band comes up now, we'll uh, receive communion. I said this the first service. This is really not a... Uh, transitional period where I figure out something to say as the band comes up. Communion that we're about to receive for anyone here who trusts in the Lord is, is the pinnacle um, of our time together, namely because we get to distinctly remember who Jesus is and what he has done. That this trustworthy God that we see some from Psalm 121 is willing to get his hands dirty and help us in our need to the point of sending Jesus. So communion is a retelling of who Jesus is and what he has done. So there are four stations. There's single-serve kind of communion back there. There's um, bread um, up here, and there's wine, I believe, on this side and juice on this side. So make sure you read the signs to get which one you prefer. But the, uh, the bread represents Jesus' body broken in the place of anyone who trusts in him. The juice or the wine represents uh, Jesus' blood that was spilled in the place of anyone who trusts in him. So maybe as you go and receive communion, the only barrier to any of these communion tables is if you don't believe in Jesus. If you came in here, you don't believe in Jesus and you didn't believe in Jesus, you've heard of the good news that God saves sinners. Call out to him for help. Place your trust in Jesus. Go receive communion um, and maybe tell someone that you did. So we'll do um, a bit of instrumental and then we're gonna do something a little different. Corbin's gonna sing a song more over us um, we do this occasionally, but he's going to sing a song over us. And my encouragement to us this morning is to listen to the words that Corbin's going to sing over us. And where they are true of you, let it be affirmational. And where it's not yet true of you, let it be aspirational. Go receive communion as you feel led.